Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. Welcome back to the Appalachian Baptist Network. And we got Matthew with us today. Brother, it's been a while. It has been a while, man. It's been a busy, some busy recording days. Our schedule hadn't lined up well. How's it going down south? It's going well. You know, I've I've been staying busy as far as starting off new things with the student ministry. And then I'm over the college ministry now. And so I'm launching that with the rollout of school. So it's been going well. Any advice for listeners that may be uh, getting ready to start a new ministry like you did uh, going in there and maybe some things that you thought went well or things that you wish you'd have done? I I think on the the front end for me is clearly having your mind, what is the big picture and purpose of that ministry? Uh Like, for example, college ministry and churches, they're seen as two things. They're either seen as we've got to have something for the people that are still in our church that went through our student ministry or they see it as an outreach of the church. And so I think for me, knowing that a lot of our students, we have some that have stayed, but a lot from our church have moved off to colleges. I think it's wiser in a town that has three, four year universities in it, that we should be mission driven and not consumer driven as we got to have something for people that are already here. And so having a clear vision and then finding um, people within your body, that have a heart for that age demographic or that group or whoever you're trying to reach and have them on board with you when you try to roll that out. And that sounds a lot like vision, mm. which is what we're uh, going to talk about, yes, right? Yes. So we're doing a series here, Mistakes Leaders Make. We're, bar- we're borrowing heavily from David Cross' book, Mistakes Leaders Make. Specifically, one that churches make or pastors make is allowing busyness to replace visioning, allowing business to replace visioning. Uh, busyness is the new spirituality is what Fred Smith said. Do you think that's true, Matthew? Yeah, I, I think it is. Um, in, in two ways. I mean, you go ask, go ask any pastor, um, how's life going? And what's nine times out of 10, the answer they're gonna, you're going to get busy and I'm busy. And so I think that there's an element of people thinking that busyness is spiritualness because you're doing something. Um, but I also think there's the other element of, People are just busy spinning their wheels and not going anywhere. Uh-huh. And, you know, if we were to try to say the difference between busyness and visioning, what, what would we say? Uh, busyness is being preoccupied with what has to be done now, like the things that have to be done now, the urgent things. But, vision, but visioning is going to deal with more looking down the road and seeing what needs to be done, right? Yeah, correct. And as leaders, this is part of our job, right? I like what Marcus Buckingham says. What defines a leader in his pre, is his preoccupation with the future. He is a leader if and only if he is able to rally others to the better future he sees. My point is simply that leaders are fascinated by the future. You are a leader if and only if you are restless for change, impatient for progress, and deeply dissatisfied with the status quo. I am not satisfied. This is the manner, the mantra of the leader. 
And as a leader, you are never satisfied with the present because in your head, you can see a better future. Whenever a person strives to make one see a better future, there is leadership. You do it because you can't help it. You do it because you see the future so vividly, so drastically that you can't get it out of your head. You agree with that? I agree. Um, I lost Southern thought of was Alexander Hamilton while you were reading out that quote. Um, the line in the, the musical sits when says you'll never be satisfied. Yeah. I'm talking about him <clears throat> just because he always had to go, go, go and to do more. I mean, you Southern look at the, or the uh, Federalist Papers, you know, they were supposed to split the work up by threes. And he did two times, three times more than the other two did. Um, There's an element of of that. So, yeah, that's good. You know, uh, there's a there's a story I like to hear about uh, Nick Saban, believe it or not. And when he first came to the University of Alabama and uh, he lost a pretty devastating loss early on in his season. And it was to like Louisiana Monroe or somebody like that, somebody smaller. And uh, in the course of that loss, he, after it was over about a, during that week, he was getting gas somewhere. And I guess the attendant didn't recognize it was Nick Saban. And uh, he said, you know, man, we're never going to get, make it anywhere without that with Nick Saban as the coach, you know, he just in his first season there at Alabama, but Nick Saban saw a future for the, for the, uh, Crimson Tide that did come to fulfillment and in many ways ended made the demise of several other dynasties of the day. <laughs> and yes, yes, uh, yes, he did. All that we path. all say praise God. What's that? We all say praise God to that. All of you in Alabama do for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but us in the in Tennessee and Oakland and in and uh, Nebraska and some of these other places where we all lament. So anyhow, but uh, but any I thought that was very good. You know, you're going to have some setbacks whenever you step back to to be a visionary leader there and i guess the question is you know we have to ask ourselves is are we doers or are we more of uh visionaries whenever it comes to being pastors uh because we can settle into one of those two patterns don't you think we can we can i i think for me um there's a balance between the two i'm a very hands-on let's go 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 personality and I think it's part of part of vision being a vision caster is you want, you've got to take time to figure out, okay, God, where is it you have this to be? And you've got one of the things I learned in scouts is, you know, you've got a big event coming up or you're trying to get somewhere. You've got to have the small steps that have got to happen to get where you want to go. Mm-hmm. Like you don't just sit there and at two years old, because my kids are mm-hmm. learning to ride bikes, run bikes. I don't put them up on a big kid bike. All right, girls, y'all go figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like I've got to progress them to get to that stage that man, they're in the big girl bike. And right. I, I think what you have to do is it, when in the vision process, the difference from being a vision caster and the busyness aspect is the vision caster brings people along. Mm-hmm. A vision caster paints it as clearly as day. People understand what he's saying and people buy into what he's saying. We talked about a few podcasts back about the, the, the buy-in process of someone who casts vision gets buy-in. Someone who's busy is doing it on their own when people don't understand what's going on. And uh, for me, visioning looks this way. Usually I have to sort of see where we're going and then I work backwards. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to have a presence at the covered bridge days. Well, what are we going to need for that? 
We're going to need a pop-up tent. Somebody need, needs to get a pop-up tent. Uh, we're going to need a table. All right. Probably need a table cover. Somebody needs to design that and get that done. You know, you just rewind the table, everything you need. You know, you write it down, write it out and get people to see what you see. And pictures are powerful. Word pictures or I've even made physical pictures before, just helping them to see what you see. Because I think churches just slip into a default mode oftentimes without any kind of vision. Uh, even we see this in the Old Testament, even the people in the, the wilderness, they were they were ready to go back to Egypt and trade their freedom and manna for, you know, slavery, just to get a little bite of quail. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. anyhow, uh, what are some ways that uh, we can kind of see engage if we're being a little too busy? What should we be looking at? Hmm, that's a good question. I, th- I think for some good ways to, 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 to gauge that is one, how tired are you? I, I think that's the first one for me. If I'm being busy, I'm, I'm normally really tired. If I'm being productive, I'm not as tired because I'm managing my time well and I'm getting stuff done in an orderly time. I think tiredness is one that I manage, that I see my business. I think how much time am I spending with my family? Because if I'm spending less time with my family, that means I'm being busy and I've got to equate myself is that what we're supposed to be doing or not doing. I, I think another way of, of busyness is, are you seeing any fruit from it? Huh. If we're, I think so oftentimes we get caught in busyness because we feel like no matter what church we're at, what kind of field of ministry we're in, we're supposed to be doing something. And I think our busyness comes into play as we're supposed to be doing something. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm supposed to be doing it. And so we just kind of spin our wheels and don't really see any fruit of our labor. We'll, um, uh... Kind of like a kid lost in the woods. We think if we run faster, we'll get somewhere, but we may just be making the problem worse and running deeper into the woods instead. Okay. Uh, There are three resources every church and pastor has, right? Usually, maybe four. One is your time. So you look at your calendar. What's your calendar look like? Is Is there any room at all for time with the Lord or your family and these other items? Uh, Or time for you to even think. Two is uh we want to look at you know finances are they just being spent on perpetual kind of things and programs things of that nature and then three we have um so you have time you have money and then you have manpower you know resources of manpower in the church and what is what is primarily the manpower and resources going to man and woman power don't take offense to that ladies that's you know volunteer power you know what i mean where where's it going so looking at those well, things. Well, I- to use the word of our, our serving time serving time thank you that's much better that's uh we're, we're constantly looking for new ways to ungender the language have you noticed that so yes. I, I saw a guy the other day he came up with a good one if you wanted to this is for all the student pastors that listen right so if you walk up to a group of students and you want to not offend them with a gender gender pronoun because they might be lost you could just walk up and say what's the word baby birds <laughs> I'm going to have to use that this week. <laughs> What's the word, baby bird? So anyway, I like that one. So yeah. Uh, and they'll, they'll get a chuckle and that'll break the ice. And so anyway, that one's free today. That one's free. All right. Now moving Thanks. on to um, our next one we want to talk about today. And that is simply this. We're going to talk about the money. Matthew, we're going to talk about the money. Financial frugality. Money, money, money. Give me that money. Financial frugality replacing fearless faith. Uh, 
I like the way he opens this chapter. He says, ships are safe in the harbor, but they're that's not why ships are built. <laughs> Come on. Ooh, uh-oh. Come Watch on. Out. Watch out now. It's going to talk about the money. Going to get in the kitchen where everybody lives. We're going to talk about it. I know, right? Ships uh, are supposed you to know, be sea. I have noticed a pattern personally. Churches that die generally don't die because they have no money in the bank. Usually most churches that die have over a hundred thousand dollars plus or multiple hundred thousand dollar accounts at the bank. So they don't die because they're out of money. Yes. Why is that Matthew? Because what often is the case at least on the money side, you can live off of nothing and survive for a very long time as a church. Mm-hmm. You got people that have passed away. Oh, I love, I love this. This is my church my whole life. And they give an X amount of money. And if you're sitting there and you're struggling, or we can cut this little thing Well, you know, we just don't have the money for VBS. We need to keep some money in the bank account. So we cut this program. We cut that program. We take away from this and, Eventually, all you're left is spending money for light bill, water, and pulpit supply. Mm. That don't cost that much. Yeah, you can run. You know, churches take a long time to die. You know, without all the all the bills they got. Excuse me. <clears throat> and Old, uh, phrase that older churches have a long time to die. Yeah, that's true. Um, if, you, if you're if you're an established church, you have you can you can stay on life support a while. You can, uh, especially if your building's paid for and some of those things like many of the yeah. norm. You've got a you've got a faith-filled mentality versus a uh, fear-filled mentality. Is it wrong for churches to have a rainy day fund? No. Let me ask you this though: Should it be capped? Yeah, I think so too. Put this perspective, okay? We're going through a season of life, um, the past year and a half called COVID. And how many churches were able to gather together for a season? How many what now? How many churches were gathering during the first part of COVID when we were all in two weeks to flatten the curve? Not not hardly any. Um, So, I mean, Appalachia, you have snow days. Um, We have all dealt with COVID. You have hurricane days down here in the south where you don't have church because of hurricanes coming in. Um, Typically... Not always, but typically, if you miss a Sunday, is your offering not less? You you, you lost the week. You might have lost that that time. You might have lost that giving, whatever that, that amount was. And so you, you go in the negative because you've got to keep spending. And so I, I think when, when it comes to to the rainy day fund, I don't think it's an issue. Keep that money in there to where when this happens, we have to shut down for a month unexpectedly. We don't have the worry of them cutting the power off or cutting the water or losing the building. But I don't think you hoard the money. You don't yes, hoard the money for, you know, that one day we're going to have to get this roof replaced. One day this could happen and we need to make sure we have X in here. I, I think the best thing you can do, if you're not spending the money you're giving is set your cap at four months, six months, whatever people advise you to do. But when you go over that number and turn it back to the gospel, turn it back into missions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. Because that money, I think we get a mentality of that's our money or that's the money that we gave. And uh, it's not. It's Jesus's money. It's all Jesus's money, even the money you've got in your wallet right now. Uh, mm-hmm. so, I want a dollar bill. 
yeah, you gotta, you gotta be, you gotta let those dollars be, be used for the kingdom. Um, here's a question that we should ask ourselves. Do we spend more or save more? And I know this is hard right now. We, I feel like we're going through this season of inflation right now in the United States where saving is not as, you know, encouraged as it once was. What is it? What is it that those on the left say borrowing is the friend inflation is the friend of the borrower. Yeah. This is, I don't know. That's, that's a great question. And I really think all honesty, your context is key to how you do that. Like if you have a, if, if, um, some places are unwise and the Lord's just going to provide them. So if we go over budget, that's fine. I don't think that's wise. If you've, if you've had that habit of going over budget because of poor planning and poor spending for three, four, five years, you're going to be in the red. You're going to be, in, you're going to be in danger and there you can't be. I do think, however, um, and I want to put that caveat out there on the front end because for us, with the relaunch of our college ministry, I had a very small amount of money left in the budget for the year to restart the college ministry. And mm-hmm. I went to my pastor. I was like, bro, I said, I, I got to take the college students out bowling one time. And I'll spend half of that. You know, like that, that's not much money. And he looked at me and said, Matthew, we're not going to be legalistic over this. This isn't my money. He's like, this is God's money. And if God's growing and God's doing then we're going to put money there to, make, to, to help you be able to do what you're supposed to do. So it's being wise in that and understanding, I mean, our whole budget is fluid to where if there's money over here, we'll pull it here to make it here because this area is growing and this area is not doing anything right now. Um, it's, it's understanding every bit of it's God's money. Yeah. Which means if, if every bit of it's God's money, we've got to be good stewards with his money and not just spend on stupid stuff. Um. Another thing that is critical here is do we have a wise person or a wise team overseeing the finances of the church and making sure that they're not getting kind of out of control? I think one of the more common areas that you can see churches get out of control. Well, I've seen several places. Some I've seen become staff heavy, you know, where you've got, anytime you got a church, it's probably over 48% of its of its budget is salaries. You might be a little bit on the heavy side. For staffing and then the other other thing is um i have seen churches that have given more to mission than they did to take care of their own staff and their church which mm-hmm. actually created a bit of a uh, uh what do you say uh bitterness there and, and yeah i don't think it was intentional it's like we're gonna we're gonna give more overseas and we're not going to take care of home base here and uh, that created a bit of a problem there so being wise with the with the finances and critical and I think having a team or a group of people that oversee to make sure we're spending well and kind of projecting where we're at is so good. Yeah. That's one of the things I enjoy with our financial lady at our church. Our finance team meets every two months. They reevaluate what's going on, where we're at, projected budget, whatever. Our finance lady every month gives me a printout of how much money we have left, how much we spent, and what's the percentage left. And they stay on top of it. I, I like to think about it in terms of uh, great commission spending or rather almost great commission investing, because I feel like when you spend money for great commission work and sharing the gospel, you're, you're not really that you're investing that money with kingdom growth in mind, right. you know, an acts one, eight challenge comes to mind. 
Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, you know, how much of your outspend for missions is going in those categories. Some churches are happy to write a check to the ends of the earth and just never deal with those people, never see those people. But yeah. is there anything being spent locally? Is there anything being spent na- nationally, statewide, or in areas that we would deem as less desirable, like Samaria yeah. was in the New Testament day? Well, that's not just that, but if a church is going to be relevant to its community, it's got to be putting some money back into the community. Um, whether that's finding a ministry, whether that's partnering with the local school, whether that's partnering with the park to help clean it up, whatever it is, you've got to be putting resources back into your community to show them, hey, Grace Baptist, we, we love Elizabethan. Crossnell, we love this. Minneapolis, we love this. Oak Grove, we love this. Like, They've got to know that you love them. Right. And they know you love them by your loving on them. Well, and the reality, too, is that um, there are some who make statements that, you know, churches don't pay their fair share of taxes, and they should. And one of the ways that we could be sure to invest kingdom-wise is if we – I read about one church that they they got an estimation from their county about how much they would owe in taxes each year. And they took that that amount and they put it in their budget and they spent that on the local community in various ways. So even though they weren't taxed, they were they were actually giving. And man, it made an impact into some people's lives. You know, it really takes away an argument of those that are opponents of the gospel that are thinking yeah. that you know the church is just this tax free sort of you know leech or whatever, uh, and says you know well they are really actually doing things to help the community. Yeah, and and showing the love of Christ that way. So, all right. Um, I think we're we've covered most of the things that we we were going to to look at here on these two topics of these two mistakes. Uh, any any closing thoughts for these two? I think one. I've been listening to a podcast with. Uh, Manly Beasley's kids on it. I was making sure that's correct. You've gone mute on me, Travis. But Manly Beasley's kids. And with Manly Beasley's kids, he he talked about their dad. And their dad always sat there and told him, like, guys, like, if you want to hear from God, you want to know what God is envisioning you for, and you want to know what God's calling you, what God wants you to do, go, go out in the woods and go to a stump and spend time with God. And I think as just listening to it, and even one of them talked about there was a time that he needed tires. And he talked about going to, they were headed to Elizabeth and to preach. Nice. Um, and he sat there and said, son, I don't have the money. Go pray to God about it. He was like, Dad, like, he was like no, son, he's like, I'm going to be in Elizabeth in a couple of weeks. I'm going to be preaching at a church down there. And uh, his son was up maybe a couple hours north. I don't, I don't know quite where he was at. But he said, pray about it. And I want you to come down and see me. He's like, because I hadn't seen you in a while. And I want you to come down and see me, son. And uh, dad went and preached this revival, whatever it was. And got done. A man up, came up to him and said, man, I'll never do this. He said, but I feel like God, he owned a tire shop. And he said, I feel like God's wanting me to give you a brand new set of tires for your whole vehicle. Whoa. And Manly, Manly sat there and said, just kind of smiled. He said, amen. He said, let me tell you something. He said, my son's been praying for a brand new set of tires because his tires are done. Incredible. And he actually came down tonight. And I told him to spend this week praying about it. 
Wow. I, I think when it comes to our vision is we want to get vision from God. We need to go spend time with God. We need to get away from everything else and we need to spend time with him. Whether that means stay up later at night or get up early in the morning. If you want vision and know what God wants for you, you've got to spend time with him. Yeah. And so many times I think too, there is a connection between the finances and the visioning together, which I'm, I'm glad we did the two together there because usually the finances follow the vision. God yeah. gives the vision, then they come. So, all right, brother. Well, thank you for your time today. Look forward to joining us next time as we continue on in our series. You have been listening to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Thanks for joining us. If you have a question or comment for our host, please send an email to Network at gmail.com or send us a voice message on our Anchor website page at anchor.fm slash Appalachian dash Baptist dash network. Join us again next Monday.